No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where God corrects a false proverb where people were saying that the children were being punished for the sins of their fathers. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezekiel chapter 18 on Simply the Bible. Going back to the Garden of Eden, people have perfected the art of passing the buck. We blame others rather than accepting personal responsibility. Have you ever known a president to take personal responsibility for the problems of the nation without blaming the former administration? But we can do the same thing if we blame others for our own failures. That is what the people were doing in Ezekiel's day. We continue today in Ezekiel chapter 18. The word of the Lord came to me again saying, What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Now, this was a popular saying in the day. In fact, according to Jeremiah, the people were saying it in Jerusalem, while the Babylonian captives with Ezekiel were also saying it. They were blaming their ancestors for the consequences they were now suffering. But God did not want them to use this proverb anymore. Now, we can understand that there was somewhat of a basis for their thinking. Now, in the Ten Commandments, when the Lord told them not to worship other gods, he said in Exodus 25, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, the point of this commandment was to show that the effects of idolatry were severe and long-lasting, not that God indiscriminately punishes the innocent for their ancestors' evil doings. Even in the law of Moses, God specified that transgressors would die for their own sin. Deuteronomy 24.16 says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. Then there was the idea of the solidarity of the nation. The Jews considered themselves to be one people who descended from Abraham. They did not live their lives in a vacuum, and they had learned from their history that the sin of one could affect the many. This was especially true in the case of Achan, who stole articles from Jericho, and all the people suffered as a result. Also, it was evident that Jerusalem was being destroyed, and the people had gone into Babylonian captivity because of the cumulative sins of previous generations. God had been patient for hundreds of years, but now he was bringing judgment upon this generation. Therefore, the Lord needed to correct their misunderstanding of his judgments and how he goes about judging people. Verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. God begins by stating a simple fact. All souls are mine. In other words, every person ultimately belongs to God, for they are his creation. Incidentally, this is an excellent point in witnessing to unbelievers. 
all souls belong to their creator. They didn't make themselves. And we will ultimately give an account to him for the life he has given to us. Now, in order to make the explanation clear, the Lord gives three hypothetical situations from a single family spanning three generations. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten on the mountains nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing. If he has not exacted usury, nor taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between man and man, if he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he is just, he will surely live, says the Lord God. So God describes a righteous man here under the Old Covenant. Now we should say that whether we are speaking about the Old Testament or the New, the way to salvation has always been through faith. The just shall live by their faith. But righteousness is the fruit of the genuine life of faith. Under the Old Covenant, their righteousness came by them keeping the commandments. Under the New Covenant, our righteousness comes by believing in Jesus Christ And God credits to us his perfect righteousness when we believe in him. Nevertheless, these two verses in Ezekiel do show us what a righteous life looks like in practice. Now, in the second case, the righteous man has an unrighteous son. Verse 10, if he begets a son who is a robber or a shedder of blood, who does any of these things and does none of those duties, but has eaten on the mountains or defiled his neighbor's wife, if he has oppressed the poor and needy, robbed by violence, not restored the pledge, lifted his eyes to the idols or committed abomination, if he has exacted usury or taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. If he has done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. So in this case, the son of the righteous man was a thief and murderer. He ate on the mountains, meaning that he partook in the idolatrous worship in the high places. He was guilty of adultery. He oppressed the poor and needy. He worshiped idols. He exacted usury, meaning that he charged interest. Now, it was not permissible for a Hebrew to charge interest on loans to a fellow Hebrew. He could charge interest to a foreigner, but not to his brother. Now, if he did these things, the Lord said, he shall surely die. The context here is speaking of physical death as the punishment for his sins. Verse 14, if however he begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done and considers, but does not do likewise, who has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, has not oppressed anyone, nor withheld a pledge, nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing, who has withdrawn his hand from the poor, that is to oppress them, and not received usury or increase, but has executed my judgments And walked in my statutes, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. 
So this son has followed in the steps of his righteous grandfather rather than in the steps of his wicked father. He will live not because of the righteousness of his grandfather, but because of his own righteousness. Now, there was an example of this from their own history. Hezekiah was a righteous king, but then his son Manasseh was very wicked. And Manasseh's grandson, Josiah, was a very righteous king. So each one was rewarded or punished according to his own deeds. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence, and did what is not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right, and has kept all my statutes, and observed them, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So much for the thinking of generational curses. We will each give an account of ourselves before God. I will not be held responsible for my parents' sins. My children will not be held responsible for my sins. Each person is held responsible for his own sins. And we cannot pass the buck. We have to accept personal responsibility. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? You see, to me, this is the greatest justice that is, God is ultimately fair, but it's the greatest mercy also because the wicked person has the opportunity to turn from his sins and believe in God and be a different person. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this is what he's saying here. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Of course not. But my desire is that they should turn from their ways and live. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. So it is a warning here that it's not so much how we begin, but how we end that a righteous man could choose to turn away from his righteousness and commit iniquity and his righteous deeds would be remembered no more. Now, what all does that mean? I don't know. I just know one thing. I don't want to be the guy that started out in the right way and then turned from that into wickedness because what it tells me is that the person who does that will bear the responsibility for his choices. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. 
Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Now, by the way, nobody's ever going to be able to get away with accusing God of not being fair. There's not going to be anybody on Judgment Day who will get away with blaming God for where they are at. They have gotten there by their own choices and they will be held responsible. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. This is the Lord's heart, and we should accurately represent this. God desires people to be saved. He pleads with us. What more could he do other than what he has done by sending his own son to die in our place so that we would not have to bear the iniquities that we have committed? He has done everything he can, but he still will hold us responsible for our choices, either to believe in Jesus Christ or to reject him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast, and please leave us a review. It helps a lot. Tomorrow we will see that Ezekiel laments over Israel's princes. They came from a fruitful vine, but they have been taken captive. The vine's branches are broken and her fruit burned. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Ezekiel on Simply the Bible.